not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, Ebrick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom Reed, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell and Whale, and Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. And uh, as always, big shout out to our sponsors, IFS Premium Finance, our title sponsor. Thank you very much, guys. Along with the Crew Group and Garrison's Brewery, and of course our charity partner, Wick. Today's episode, we're talking blinded me with science, talking about what are carriers doing with regards to some of the tech. Uh, whether that's actual software or big data, AI, that kind of thing, putting in. What kind of impact is that having on brokers? Is that good, bad, indifferent? What should brokers think about it? What should brokers do about it? What kind of what kind of um, guidance would our panel here give to carriers who are in that process? So, um, without too much further ado, we're going to jump right into it. And we'll, maybe we'll start with we'll start with Guidewire. So, guys. We all know that there's a number of companies that have gone live over the last couple of years and are continuing to go live with Guidewire. Uh, you all deal with one or more of those carriers. Um, has that helped your business? I think all of us thought Guidewire was going to be the savior for the brokers. We're led to believe that. Oh, Guidewire is the best. It's coming. And then it's going to be here right away, which right away could be two to five years. So I'm blown away how long it takes companies to deploy. And some companies take two, three, four years to try and get their old legacy system converted. Whereas you get some farm mutuals that are buying, I don't know if you call it Guidewire Lite, but a more modified version out of the box where they're blowing it, they're putting it in 12 months and killing it and getting a bunch of stuff working where some of the early adopters, the bigger companies that did it, uh, and there was a working group of four or five companies across Canada that was a Guidewire test group that was supposed to get the bugs out of it, do some learning together. I don't think the, I don't think the learning was achieved. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, a lot of big, big applications, like you might talk SAP, Oracle, you know, there's larger organizations can spend, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars implementing those back office systems and other organizations that uh, might choose to take things a little more out of the box will spend less time and less money, obviously. Uh, so there's, there's a huge, um, there is an opportunity for a huge customization project that one can go through. And I guess that's, that's to me, it's right. So you, so you look at Wellbenisa, they chose to customize the heck out of their thing, good for them. And you look at the other end of the spectrum, some of the firm mutuals, like uh, Commonwealth, for example, would have spent you know, a fraction 
of that amount of money. And, and again, a lot of them couldn't couldn't spend. They didn't have the money, so they didn't have the choice to do that, right? No, exactly. And so you know, so they so they get practical and they they do what they can. So you know, what I find interesting though is you spend that amount of money customizing, and you're doing it obviously for a business case. You're doing that if you're a Wawanisa or a Viva or whoever economical. You're doing that because you believe you're going to make a return on that. And you know, there's a few ways to do that. You do that with internal operations expenses, better loss ratios better distribution so you get more growth what have you so I, i'm really interested like we can't speak to the loss ratios we can't speak to the internal operations we don't have that kind of insight but with you guys we do have insight into the distribution side and the the customer experience of that or the the broker experience of that when these companies go through the buying process the the dog and pony show by guidewire comes in come drink our Kool-Aid that we're going to make you so much better and i'm sure they have a panel of people who look at what guidewire can do for their company because that's who the pitch is for Right. So Guidewire come in and, and, and do that. Were there brokers there for that? Like and and then part B to that, okay, fine. You bought it, whatever. Let's talk about configuration. How are we gonna implement this thing? And how are we gonna roll it out? Were brokers part of that journey either? And I, I would love to have the name of the brokers that insurers involved during the pitch or the config. A, f a few years ago, when Aviva started looking at Guidewire, they put it in for RBC and for Aviva Direct. Obviously, no brokers involved um, in that in those scenarios. They've just recently started to do it for the broker channel, and they have explicitly engaged with the IBAC DX group uh, on that subject. And I don't know if they've brought any brokers on you know, outside of that, but I know we've talked about it. Um, but I've, you know, it's really their, their stick, but I, but I know certainly Aviva has come to the IBAC table, uh, looking for some input and looking to leverage what, uh, what DX is doing. So that's, that's a great start. Uh, but let me turn that around. Like you guys are leading digital brokers. Um, have any of you been on a panel with any of the carriers? I, I have been on one, uh, Heartland Insurance asked me and, you know, when we first got the first version of it, straight through processing was amazing on Vine, but a lot of other things were very clunky, not thought out. You know, I don't know what brokers, you know, they I surveyed because it's completely contrary to what us digital brokers would want, some of the things. But uh, Wawanisa, I, I believe they got feedback on different things, but in terms of engagement, I, I can't say what role brokers had. We're obviously in a little bit of the darkness, not being on the inside of some of these carriers, but I I know Wawanisa, for example, spent a ton of time and money looking at broker digitization, broker connectivity. Um, so they've um, really invested their own time and energy in that. Um, I know Commonwealth, for example, invested some time and energy in that. And you know, interesting enough, and I think Jeff, you started down that path as well, is which brokers are you talking to? Because I know Commonwealth initially had planned on having going pure APIs, all the connectivity would go through the BMS. They actually had their brokers push back and ask Commonwealth to build a portal. So Commonwealth actually spent additional money to satisfy a broker request that was actually taking digitization backwards. Tom, if you want to get the right an an answer, you put you, you invite the certain people you want the answer from, right? I'm not saying they did that, but historically, some of the people that are being pulled, you know, if if it's if you want to get a cer certain thing done, you can get certain people in the room. And I'm not saying that happened by any stretch of the imagination. I, well, I do want to point out for Wawanisa, I believe they did engage brokers. They did roll the the system outside of Ontario at first. We weren't uh, the West was where it was done first. So Wawanisa is very good at that. So I'm sure they did engage brokers out there. 
there. Let, let, let's go past the uh, the sort of the inputs to the, uh, to the to the issue here, and let's talk about the the outcome, you know, the the experience. So whether brokers were involved or not, or the right brokers, the wrong brokers, or whatever. And we touched on this a bit earlier. Let's let's have another go at it. And I think Adam, now that your peanut gallery is is out of your out of your room there, can you contrast the before and after? Has it moved the needle? from your perspective so man what a complicated topic because you're you're damned if you do and damned if you don't right you you invite brokers to the table and they recommend a faster horse you give them a faster horse and the other people complain that it's not internal combustion so you know we did sit on Huawei's consultation and echo and travelers on different projects and even still, I can admit in hindsight, I don't think the current problems that we're wrestling through were contemplated. Um, are the cost benefits weighing out the way they thought it was? I'm not sure that they think it is. So you're who we have to blame for? I think, yeah, partially. Um, but it's just, it's such a gargantuan file that like you can't even right now, given a week's notice, articulate what good looks like and or a cost benefit analysis of how to get there so to tom's question of like are we better yeah i i think we're you know a step better i don't think we're all the way better and i think this is some of the needed pain we had to get to replatform. so hopefully we can continue to evolve for a little more intelligence because this is a modern architecture with a little more simplicity that will allow for faster smarter changes but you know the other thing that's really painful and you've been involved in the project is how disconnected all the markets are and how they all have different workflows and pieces. The question is, are we removing steps or adding steps for your distribution channel? Here's what, is that part of their sales pitch? I, I'm curious. I've never been on one, but, uh, you know, we can do this, that, and the other. We're going to improve your underwriting. You're going to have less underwriters. We can do all this automated. But here's what we can do for your brokers as well to make it easier on their lives. Because when you make things easier for your broker and you remove friction from them, you're going to win business. But why would that be part of their pitch, right? Like if I'm selling Guidewire and I'm selling a tech solution, like I, I don't think I'm going to introduce that variable. Shouldn't our partners be asking that? Yeah, sure. How, how does this affect the broker? And will the brokers win out of this as well? Because they are our distribution channel, right? So are they... Are we saving them work or are we downcycling more work to them? Like, how does this affect them? Three years ago, Guidewire did not come with a module for agency bill. It did not come with a module for broker codes. Uh, I believe it did not come with a module for broker commission, right? So some of that um, core stuff that helps a company deal with the broker, you know, just administratively, if nothing else, it wasn't contemplated. So to contemplate some of the, you know, bigger, better stuff, probably not as well. You know, the cost to do a lot of these things by the time you worked with Deloitte, your own team, Guidewire, and they're blazing a trail. They're trying to get it to work. They, they, they're they the ones taking it on the chin first because they're one of the first ones to do it, if not the first one of company of scale. So I, I'm just agreeing with you there that, you know, it, it, it's expensive. And the one of the questions I have is, is Guidewire really the problem? If, if these companies want, like I look at policy change, the holy grail of where we need to get to as an industry and and, you know, everybody's still trying to get the basics working. You know, people are scared 
pardon my French, shitless, a policy change have been for 15 years, even though the standards exist to make it happen, they just can't, there's a number of challenges there. And, you know, if Guidewire, if, if companies wanted to do policy change tomorrow, would Guidewire enable them? Is it the tools there to do it? In hindsight, I don't remember if you guys remember the day, but it sort of burned in my brain when Intac said, hey, we're not going Guidewire. We're going to build our own. And you ask them why, and they're like, well, there's a really funny correlation whenever you ask for a development on something, that that development seems to come out in the next release of advancements for everyone else. Doesn't that seem like a pretty clever strategy? I mean, they had to be big enough with a big enough wallet and development team to be able to pull this off. But taking that slow and longer road, sure, I would bet they might be in a better position than... Some of these others painted in a corner without agency bill, without this module, that module. Intact made some smart tech calls quite some time ago um, as to a certain extent as a result of some failed big projects. But instead of going for the big back office legacy replacement, they ended up um, going more small scale with, with like middleware integrations. I don't want to get too technical, but to the back end. So all the massive big iron, you know, processing a million renewals in a month or whatever, that stays with the big iron at the back end, but then some of the front-facing stuff, whether that's to an underwriter or to a customer, to broker, whatever, can change and then, you know, use APIs to integrate with said back end. So they, so they got a little more flexible, you know, some time ago, which allowed them the luxury of not being in a situation like an Echo, Aviva, Wobbenies, et cetera, that's sitting on, you know, 40-year-old COBOL mainframes that are, you know, crumbling um, and and super expensive and literally the people that work on them are 65 years old yeah no and, and again i hate to say it, if our industry could have came together back then and and got some of this stuff looked after we would be in a much we'd be in a different position but some of the stuff would be solved right now to this day but for political reasons some people wanted it to, to fail i'm not going to point people out but it was to their advantage to fail because certain people could get a jump and use technology as a competitive advantage which they've done right once and I think they're beginning to open up to this when, when they want to take advantage of APIs, they can do it a little bit more nimble than anybody else. They keep their costs, you know, under control. You're paying the rate for a developer. You're not paying for developer plus. I know one of my pain points with our companies has been, and again, there's been issues with Gore and Heartland where the, the billing module wasn't built out and they can't do stuff. So clients aren't getting, our, our own staff aren't getting notified of people that aren't paying. And all of a sudden a registered letter is going out and there's steps missed and the companies have to build that in. You would think with all the people in Canada using this platform by now and the billions and $1 trillion spent with Guidewire that some of this stuff would be built in at some point and be core part of their product. Guidewire itself, you know, the, the base part of that platform is consistent across the board, right? There is no need on an, you know, an annual renewal piece of code. There's no need to change that from company A to company B. You're going to renew your policy annually. It's just exactly the same thing, right? You're going to bill somebody. It should be exactly the same thing. So th there's no, there's no customization or value add there. I know that um, Deloitte was trying to build a Deloitte cloud that would add some additional functionality, and then they would build carrier specific functionality on top of that. In the theory, that works great because the first two layers should be common across everybody who has Guidewire. And then you custom, you know, as carrier X, you custom, you have your own customization piece. But I'm I'm told that that hasn't been working very well. And if you're seeing billing issues from Guidewire company A that don't affect Guidewire company B, that's 
there's something wrong there. I feel like, you know, they, they sign up and they do things to use other consultants, but when they get into it, obviously the real world happens and, you know, it's just like us when we buy stuff, we think things work and then you find out they don't. And then you're halfway into the project. So you got to keep going down the rapids, maybe go over the falls a couple of times, take a beating and pick yourself up and kind of evolve down there. There's a lot of that going on. I, I don't think there's any perfect way, but there's got to be some collective learning the industry can do like surely to save everybody some money and get better functionality, right? Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. It's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokered Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. In all of their defense, you know, it takes a while to learn to use these things, to discover what what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. And you got to fumble. If you go to a new BMS, you're, you're two or three years before you really know what it can do. Like I have an example with a guidewire company where I'm sure it's guidewires allowed them to be more nimble and change. But you know, I got a list of 800 customers on a Tuesday and said you need to reach out to these customers by Monday to tell them that they don't have water damage anymore. They got to buy up really quick. Boom. You know, like Guidewire enabled them to do that. Let me ask, let me ask you guys a question. So, you know, the, the, the great thing about, about software or technology in general is that there's, you can always, you can always do something, right? There's with enough money and time, you can pretty much do anything. But the, the question is, what's the anything that you should do, right? So Guidewire, you know, Steve, in your example, Guidewire gave whatever company this was the opportunity to go and you know review their entire portfolio and make an underwriting change on the spot. But was that was that the right thing to do? So like, where's the guidance coming from? Where's where's the where are the, where are the business requirements coming from? I'm I'm okay with the doing the thing. It's the rollout of the thing. It's like, what does this do to distribution? Like like this is how we're gonna okay, let's do it, but. This is what we need to do over the next renewal cycle or whatever. This is the communication in advance we need to have and so on and so forth. Not just, okay, let's do it. And a memo, it'll be on page three of a memo that will go out, going out to brokers next week. Those are incomplete business requirements then, right? If it's only run a report and send out the report, that's, that's incomplete. You, you've, the, the whole implementation aspect of the thing has been missed.
Yeah. Yeah, that's that that's non-existent. The one thing I find, and you you brought a mention about what if, what could be done, uh, the the rating API, which is the, that comes from the system right into applied rating systems, it's good because it's accurate. It allows us to get a code to upload into the system to avoid portal entry for straight through processing. But what I find weird is the company every time we rate it, they're getting feedback on my brokerage of every single client they're giving a rate for. It goes back into their system. Now the problem is. They can't distinguish if I'm doing a requote in my system, if I'm doing a new piece of business in my system, or my web raider's doing it. So they, they get the artificial impression that we've quoted economical 4,000 times, but they can't distinguish between a requote and new business. So they're lacking some of their intel, and they also are missing where we're placing the business. That's the good thing is the broker's got the last step of the equation. That gives us a lot of power because we know where we placed it and why. But the one thing I would request from companies, and I have from all of them, is tell me where your rates are hot, where you're profitable, give me some post codes, give me some areas, share that intel with me. And most of the companies, if they can get anything pushed together, it's four or five months behind. Well, I would say they should be able to, because if you go, you know, in the old days, a couple of years ago, the only thing the company knew was when they bound a policy, right? They didn't have the quote data. Right now, what you're saying is they're getting that piece of the equation as well. So now I know as Echo, you said, you know, you do 10 quotes in a day and you bind two. The old days, I would have seen the two. I, did, I would not have seen the eight. So now, as Echo, in theory, I should be able to say, hey, I've got a 20% close rate with Jeff. Now, you know, I really want a 35% close rate, so what do I need to do? Oh, let's look at the eight that didn't get closed and see what's going on. So they used to have this piece, and now they can also buy from Applied mostly when they're ranking first, second, and third, and they can see their win rate. I think my guess, Jeff, and I get the same exact answer of they can't tell you or it's a very lagging indicator. They can't tell you where they're hot. Um, one, I don't think I don't think that information is boiling from actuarial data down to frontline BD or VP or whoever you're talking to. Um, and I think the reason that that often isn't, um, one, sometimes they don't know it, but two, majority of the marketplace hasn't been able to action it historically. I think this is pretty recent times where anybody in a very minute few can fully action it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it it should be that 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 data is now available to you, right? So if I'm, you know, Echo, Aviva, well, we need to pick pick a larger carrier. I'm getting every time you quote me, whether I whether I buy the business or not. Every time you quote me, you're giving me the data on that quote, right? So I should be able to say, oh, I just, today I quoted across all my brokers. I quoted. Post the code T3A582 100 times, and I close it at 15%, which is lower than my target. Right. What's going on in T3A582? So you can come back in and tell Jeff, hey, Jeff, really hot in Brampton. And, and he says, are you happy about that? And they say, we're not sure yet. Pretty nervous. And those two files don't connect yet. Right. Like not frequently, not on all levels, not systematically through the companies that we can have that level of dialogue. We're going to have a chat tomorrow morning about what sort of level of dialogue do we want the companies to evolve to? That'd be one. And if you said, hey, I win here, as in I'm pretty potent, and I'm happy when you win there. So for the next 30, 60 days until a competitor moves, hammer away at the sector, and I'll, I'll meet you next quarter to revise strategy. This sounds like something that um, might actually be super beneficial to distribution, right? Is this the, the opportunity to be able to tweak your marketing, especially you're talking to digital brokers who can do that. Bricks and mortar guys can't pick up and move to a different postal code, but you guys 
can decide to you know buy your leads somewhere else. This has run into different political environments that have to be navigated, but absolutely the digital broker is more nimble inside this this footprint. Well, here and here's the problem: like we're having to use dynamite right now. Like we got to blow up a big area trying to get a fish, and it's expensive. Like dynamite in in blowing stuff up is too super super expensive. Digital marketing has never been more expensive to try and buy AdWords and and play in the marketplace right now. Yeah, we used to call them the heat sheets. You need two. You need two. You need you need the hit rate right on the heat sheet of where are you hot, but then you need that overlaid with another heat sheet on on profitability. So I'm proud of this heat sheet, and this one I'm actually vulnerable, and I'm stuck between politics and regulation. Yeah, the the heat map, and the ability to say I I want to be and I am competitive in this certain areas, so I go after it, and I am but don't want to be competitive in this, or or I am competitive but don't want to be in this other area. Combined with Jeff's point about how expensive digital marketing is, this this is a win-win scenario, right? If if when carriers come to you and say focus here defocus there. Here's the other piece. So you, you have a suite of a stable of carriers saying this. And so company A says, go here. And, and I now know my cost per acquisition for that market is 300 bucks per client. And company B says, come go there. I really also like that territory. And their acquisition cost is 50 bucks. Well, it, it, all the, you know, capital systems spill into the $50 bucket and say overfund that. To your point, like you can now know that and have choices and you can redeploy it. So if the $300 company would like a couple more slices of it, well, they're probably going to have to fund that because naturally the dollars won't choose to go in that bucket. Adam, what defines your th your 300 versus the $50? Is that your, when you say cost of acquisition, not by marketing spend, but, but okay, close ratio, but, but, cost to put it on the books? There's there's a million different ways um, to calculate your acquisition costs on which things do you want to include or include. And I don't think ones are right or wrong. My message is stay consistent among that. So if you're going to take your total marketing cost, divide it by your leads, gives you a lead cost, and then you're going to multiply that by your closing rate. That's one there. Do you also want to put in overhead systems pieces? We, we can go back and forth on what it's worth. I would say you can get to what you care about is the relative comparison of it. No, I wasn't referring to the leads. I wasn't referring to the leads. I was referring to after the sale, you know, so it costs me more to write a piece of business with company A than B. Facility is a great example, right? Like you bind something with Echo that was exampled and Echo gave you a straight through processing for something or Heartland and facility is like all paper, all mail, staple with a check, get three other bodies involved to sign these things, like stuff it in an envelope, send it in the mail, like, oh my gosh. But there are major differences between doing backshop, whether it be renewal, new, claim, whatever. Uh, all those processes, this company costs you more. This company costs you that much. This company costs you that much. You can do it quicker and easier. So which one are we going to focus on? Where am I going to put my business?
probably the biggest thing right now is close ratio. And uh, we need to know where people are hot right now, because if you're paying $40, like people, you sometimes to get a quote to come through with, with uh, pay-per-click and uh, get with conversion ratios, you can be looking at a $40 uh, quote. And if you're closing at 10%, that's $400. And if you look at your revenue, that person's only paying you with the home and auto $400. You're not breaking even because you have an extra 50% of that for your overhead, salaries, everything else, right? If you get that close ratio to 20%, that's a $200 acquisition cost. You're getting pretty close to potentially breaking even. If you get 30%, $133, you're in a good spot. So by not knowing where people are hot and wasting time blowing money, that close ratio can blow you up and have the biggest difference on your cost of acquisition, right? That's that's my opinion anyway. So that's why it's never been more important. But again, we don't seem to be able to get it from our companies. So is there another place where you can get it? Is that something, do we aggregate that ourselves? For those of us who don't know, can you explain the monetization of our key clicks in ARS. This is my take on it. Uh, so really what happens is we put the data and we use applied rating systems. And currently for my staff to do quotes for people, we pay a certain fee per month for a seat. And it might be 80 or $100 per person. So we're probably paying almost $1,000 a month for my team to be able to use applied rating system to have 10 or 12 concurrent licenses so they can go in and rate it. Also, when a client goes in, to do a quote on my website, I, I pay for WebRater, which I'm paying $1,000 a month to Applied Systems to offer that to my consumer. All that data and all those ratings flowing into Applied Systems, they have a copy of that data. Also, the insurance companies who have built APIs pay Applied Systems to connect the API, and I actually believe it's more money for them to connect their API than it is for them to send their book and put the, you know, if you send your manual and Applied builds it, it's called, uh, you know, manufactured rate, so they actually build that into it. So, so the companies are also playing applied systems. So all that data gets in and then applied anonymizes it and takes the name and all the information off that. But then they sell that, the best pricing back to the insurance companies. So it's quite a business model where, you know, we're, we're paying multiple times ourselves uh, for the service. The companies are paying for it. And then Applied is doing, I guess they're aggregating the data and selling it back for the Intel, but the Intel never seems to come back to the insurance broker. The, pro the problem that individual brokers have, unless you're Hub or BrokerLink, is that the amount of data you generate isn't enough to make accurate predictions, right? You can, you can use it for process and, and, you know, sort of operational type stuff, but the ability to do all kinds of some of the sophisticated stuff, you just don't have enough data, right? So either, either you band together and you hire your own data scientist or what have you, or you know, honestly, you look at, uh, I mean, applied this one and another option for brokers is Trufla, right? Like Sharif just came out fairly recently and announced uh, his free True Mobile. Well, he is, he, you know, he talked, he talked during his, uh, his show about how they aggregate data and they have, it may not be exactly the same thing as we're talking about, but they certainly have access to a broad spectrum of data and steve steve you're using broker x-ray or you're, you're piloting it right it's a yeah. different policy so he can tell at renewal if your client you want know, the the green light the yellow light or the red light whether your client's at risk and you need to be shopping it versus already with the best market what's the aggressive sales version of that right what how do you re-engineer that to basically tell hey here's where i need to go fishing here's the poster codes you know here's here's the people you know the one thing i learned from ad world is it's going to move from demographic Demographics, demographics in the future could be out the window and it could be certain people that share certain interests 
and that's going to be the new marketing world. So as opposed to going after 40-year-old people that are families, it could be people that are game. I'll use the example gaming community, and they may find out to be a better type of risk as an example, and you can get into that community a bit better. So there's some shifting away from demographics in the marketing world. Hasn't hit our world yet. We're still living it based on postal code and person. I think there's more that can be done. Is it Guidewire or the company's job to do it? Maybe not. Like maybe, and again, I'm sure if Guidewire, if you paid them enough money, they can do anything for you. So maybe it's a matter of maybe there's a lack of vision. You know, I guess at the end of the day, are we really partners with our insurance companies or are we stakeholders? I think that's the question we need to start asking moving forward. You know, partners work together. They solve problems. They got each other's back. Stakeholders, hey, as long as you're getting good results, we love you. As soon as things are bad, you're out the window. Well, now that we got black box underwriting, you've got, you know, an Ontario now, you've got, you know, we got the take all comers market is being enforced. The, the rules are really shifting right now. So, you know, this is, we never had to be partners more than ever, but are we really partners? Are we having conversations that is about partnerships, about how to make each other better? How can we help each other? What do you need? What can we do? I, you know, I haven't, during COVID, I haven't been seeing that as much, right? It's just been survival. You know, now we need to get to that next level. What does that look like? And how does our systems help us get to that next level? There's a whole level we haven't even got close to getting to. How do we get there? How do we level up? Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. CAS Certified.